So what this really is at the end of the day, coming out now is about just stepping into and owning my inherent value. Truly loving and owning what an incredible gift. And this is the final part of it, the incredible gift and blessing of what it is to be gay. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Mark and I are blown away by the tremendous support on the heels of our 150th episode. We're excited to welcome thousands of new subscribers and wanted to share a few of our past listener favorites. Thank you again for subscribing, favoriting, and sharing. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I will be pulling back the curtains of all human secrets. You know, the ones we keep deep, deep inside that make us sick to our stomach and we're probably going to be buried with them or those other secrets that are very embarrassing and silly, but we still don't tell anybody. You know, the how, what, when, where, why of it all. So today, my guest is Robert. Robert, dun, dun, dun. My question (laughs) for you is, (laughs) what is your secret? My secret is really what was my secret, probably the the most seminal secret that that I carried in my life, which was that uh, I recognized at a very young age, though I didn't identify that that way, was which was that I I was gay. Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, just sort of as a, a, you know, background notion, it was just something that that I've come to realize it was it was perpetuated in my family and society and the world and uh, you know and I and I've come to look back on it you know we'll circle back to to kind of how it started but um, is is that it you know I now look at it as kind of a mental emotional and sometimes physical child abuse that um, oh. that yeah that, that 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 children are brainwashed into thinking that there is something so wrong with them that there is just no place for them in the world and that's how I felt. Um, and I, so when I was really young, uh, how, um, how old were you, you think? So when you first started was, feeling it. So in first grade, um, I remember living, uh, at this, I had two I had neighbors and after school in first grade, uh, I would ar- arrange to play tag with, uh, Johnny and Marissa. Mm-hmm. And Johnny was like a young athletic kid. And I was, you know, first grade and I, and Marissa clearly had a, you know, crush on me. And I was so drawn to him and I, I didn't know what it was, but I would, I, I devised this game of tag where uh, the other person <laughs> had to sit on the person that they caught because that was the only way in that moment I could think of to have physical contact with him. Oh. Uh, so Mar- Marissa was throwing herself at me and I was throwing myself at Johnny and I was in the first grade. And what's interesting is I knew then there was something like, I thought there was something, well, you would see something wrong or, you know, and, and, and I think, I'm like, why did I think that? What was my, and I realized it was just that there was no one, it wasn't modeled anywhere in the world. The only examples in the world were just of male-female couplings. And so, in, I mean, 
I don't think it was that I inherently felt there was something wrong because it's just pure and beautiful. Yeah. Um, but there was just no example. And, and then it, 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 it went on, uh, I think it was in, I was trying to decide if it was like fourth or fifth grade. I remember standing in line, going to school and some kid, I heard the word queer and I felt myself seize up inside. Really? And yeah. And I just felt, uh, like, oh, that's bad. You know, that's when I really got, it's wrong. You have to hide. Um, and I, I was already hiding it. And so, um, you know, I, I, during that time, I remember then in the years to come, I would pray to God nightly to make me normal. And I would define normal for God as, as being attracted to women. And right. I would pray for a pill, um, you know, that could make me quote unquote normal as I saw it then. Um, but I guess just to circle around, I, I really see coming out as a journey. I don't, I, I think, and there's many versions of coming out as there are people. Um, you know, it's just this series of actions and occurrences and experiences that make up your own tapestry of coming out. And, um, you know, for me, when I first started to, uh, you know, and, and it's easier for some than for others, you know, I, I was able to quote unquote pass, you know, I could sort of get by pretending some, some people don't have, it's, it's apparent for whatever reason in the world that, that, you know, that they might have a, a sexual difference in that way. And so we all have different versions of, of, you know, what we have to deal with. And, and one of the things, again, to circle back around to the specifics, but one of the things that I have always been big on with respect to coming out and outing people is that we have compassion for uh, everyone to have their own process because we all grew up with different ideas about the extent to which it was right or wrong. And I had some really strong messaging in the home, which told me that I needed to hide. So let's go um, back when you were a young, yeah. young kid. And you said something that I want to touch on because I don't want to miss that moment. But you said when you heard the word queer, like that there was like a pit in your stomach and you're like, oh, that is what I am. And I just had this feeling because I haven't experienced that, that it, it just like hit me in my heart that to know you're different and the society not allowing it to be, how painful it had to be to hold that in. I, because now I'm living my truth and I've used to be inauthentic and that was so yeah. painful. Yeah. And it's on such a deeper level that yeah. I could see why you'd want to hold that secret, but then it breaks my heart that you had to hold that secret at the same time. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, it's funny, it makes me, what was so compelling, just the sidebar when Pete Buttigieg was running is he would often reference just wishing if there, if there were any way that he could, and he said the language, he, that he could cut out that part of himself with a knife, he would have. Yeah, because I, I would do I just, that with my addiction and things I've done. Like right. if I could cut that part and not make it a part of me, I right. would in an instant. So I can't imagine my sexuality on top of it attached to that like right. want to get rid of that part of you when it clearly is who you authentically are right well especially as a young child I mean where were you born yeah. you didn't even say where you were raised yeah, yeah. Like, well I, so so Tampa Florida I was born and raised in Tampa Florida and um you know uh the you know it's the only reason I didn't think about cutting it up cutting it out of me is that I'm not big on blood or knives. So nah, I, 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 I'm not I either. For, I wanted a pill. I'm like, oh. can you give me a pill, God, please? <laughs> so it, was, it would be, you know, more painless. Um, Cause yeah, avoid the pain. But um, 
you know, I, I had, so my first experience just, you know, so, so this coming out journey was uh, the first time I fooled around with someone was uh, the, uh, my junior year, the end of my junior year was senior prom. I was going with a, with a, a, a senior who'd asked me to prom. Mm-hmm. And we were with, you know, some other folks at a hotel after the prom. And I'd heard of about course. this guy who was a linebacker on the football team. Oh. You know, we, we, I remember we were all sitting on this, on, on this bed and I uh, uh, kind of had, we were all drunk and the, our two dates were chatting on in the front of the bed. And I had my arm back behind the covers behind him. We were sitting against the backboard. And at some point I just reached over and touched him and he looked over at me. I don't know where I got the, the brazenness to do that. It was clearly, you know, in alcohol. I kind of uh, love it though, a little bit. And like I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, do you want me to stop? And he just shook his head and then looked back forward again. And so anyway, we made some excuse. We ended up, there was a fight on another floor with one of our, our mates. And so we made the excuse that we were going to go check on it. And then in the stairwell of the hotel, I had my first experience. Oh my um, God. My heart, literally the romance <laughs> in me is like, oh, they found yes. each other in Tampa, Florida in a hotel. Like, <laughs> in, in the stairwell. Stairwell. Yeah, the stairwell. Oh. You know, That's like a movie. But, you know, and, and, but, and, but, you know, the heartbreaking part of it, though, is it, it was against the backdrop and, and the underpinning of believing how wrong it was, you yeah. know, and how terrified of discovery. You know, it's, it's like, you know, other people have their own sort of feelings in the world. Oh, my gosh, trying to deal with just the, the insanity or the tough, the difficulty of expressing affection for another, you know, in a world where it's accepted. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so that happened. You know, I had a few other experiences. Uh, uh, I ended up, you know, going to, I was, I was, uh, you know, I had this whole, what's called it, like the best little boy in the world thing. And so I was always trying to, you know, sort of disprove this core flaw that I thought that I had. I was the homecoming king, you know, in high school. I did, I was in football. I did all these things that were about trying to disprove or, or to compensate for this thing that was, you know, at the core of me. Well, also and, to like, that's the American standard of what a man is supposed to be, you know, yeah, all those things yeah. you just listed is what we yeah. have as like the ultimate man in America. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I, and I continued that when I went to college, I got into uh you know, a very classic fraternity that was all athletes. I was like the token acapella guy. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> My whole fraternity was all lacrosse players and mostly lacrosse players, but also some wrestlers and baseball players and football players, but mostly lacrosse players and this one guy who sang in the acapella group. Um, <laughs> but, but, but so important was it to me to, you know, I, that I was willing to put myself into a situation that I knew was, it was like completely loaded with homophobia and, and, and these notions of what it meant to be a man because I was trying so desperately to be accepted and to feel loved and to feel value where I didn't feel that. And so um, it was, you know, but I kept it hidden. I, I, I would, uh, I would sneak out and go downtown to bars. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't mention that at 16 just it was actually, I went to my first, I left a keg party, drove across, across town to this place where I'd seen guys sort of standing on corners and there was this cinder block building Um and I saw guys coming in and out of it. I sat for an hour in my car outside of this building, which was called the OP. It was a, 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 a gay bar in, in yeah. Tampa, Florida. But there were no windows on it, which was so indicative of what a gay bar would be. That you, completely. It, it, it was completely clandestine. And I remember my heart just wanted coming out of my body the first time I walked in there. Um, and the smoke filled place. And, you know, they. How did that feel? My, 
I mean, terrifying and extraordinarily liber liberating to mm. know because I spent so much of my life thinking I was the only one like me, you know? And so this coming out process were these stages, you know? So that was a huge leap forward to, to realize that these guys who were standing on the side of the road who were, I think, who hustlers, actually, it turns <laughs> out, you know, and I and, and me noticing and being with my mom and trying to put but, but trying to put it all together and go, oh, wait, that there's something, you know, just just to try to find those breadcrumbs and to follow that, you know. Um, so anyway, that was a step I, I met, you know, some folks in the community a little bit before I went off to college. That was a part of a coming out process. You know, the whole thing at school. I had my I went to, to work in Fort Lauderdale over the summer uh, before my senior year. And I met a guy um, named Wade, who became my first official boyfriend. And we were long distance my senior year uh he came up then for for you know senior week and uh i guess i should say i was you know always very scared of being found out and there mm -hmm. was national coming out day the latter part of my senior year it was the most terrifying thing in the world i wore a pink armband um as a part of the and i walked across campus my heart just pounding out of my chest Aww. you know and uh you know, and some you know straight people did it as well. It was about being supportive, but but yeah, you know, but it, it was, was your pretty, truth. You were wearing your truth. Flag. Was that when you came out to your parents, or when did that happen? Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, that <laughs> your, one. His face, just so you guys know, he was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that summer after my senior year, um, uh, I was waiting to hear whether I was going to get into law school or not. Wade and I broke it off. And I was having a phone call with a, another friend that I had met up in New York because I'd gone out to New York City for the first time. And, you know, again, this whole part of a process of going more into the community, becoming, again, part of the coming out process. And um, <laughs> I was, my mom was listening on the phone on the other line because oh. back in the day, you know, you would have multiple. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com and check out noom's first ever cookbook the noom kitchen for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living available to buy now wherever books are sold phones and you could listen on the other line and um so for several weeks she said you know we we, we really have to have a talk son we really have to have a talk and then i was talking that night again to that same friend uh two weeks later and i hung up the phone and she slammed the door open and just started yelling at me saying, you know, you know, I, and I love you, mom now, but she at the time she was saying you're worse than a murderer or a rapist or anything else. And mm. that was the way that, that I came out to my parents. It was this, uh, her listening on the other line, you know, my, my first year of law school, uh, which wait, is, let's uh, go Georgetown. back to that moment oh, though. Okay. I, I really, okay. <laughs> I mean, that has to be that moment of, you know, your mom throwing open the door, pretty much throwing open like your truth and opening you up and saying like, you're worse than a murderer, that moment yeah. for you yeah. had to be heartbreaking. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting, uh, Brian, because uh, I, you, you know, we often talk about the fact that we have our coming out process, but then our parents have their own. Oh, definitely. And, and so in that moment, I, I had been dealing with mine for a while, you know? Oh, so mm-hmm. in a way, I kind of had, you, you know, you develop a skin, you develop a, 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 like a Teflon, you know, you know, and granted, when it's your parent coming at you with those kind of things and, and the, the, you know, what, what kids are always afraid of getting kicked out of the house, whatever, you know, I remember thinking, thank God I'm about to leave, you know, because I don't know what would have happened, honestly, if I, if I had had to stay under that roof for more than, you know, the, the month that was left of that summer before I went off. Um, but it was, uh, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, but in some weird way, the other thing that had happened was I was buying into this idea that I, my value was less because of this thing about me at the time, you know? So her saying those things in some ways were like not that far off from what I felt about myself. Oh, so she was validating your true feeling of that my, worthlessness my, that you felt. Core, right. Yeah. So, so it was horrible, you know, and, and because it was a secret and now it was no longer a secret, but, but, you know, but there was a process of me starting to love and value myself because it just was so much an expression of, of what couldn't be denied, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when I went to, uh, to law school, I remember that, that whole first year, you know, I'd have these phone calls with her and I had a friend who was there and I would just hold the phone away from my ear and, and she was just stunned at the screaming, the screaming that came through the phone. Anyway, um, I ended up, uh, you know, having some more boyfriends along the way. I met a, a, a guy up at a, uh, the, the white party in New York, um, <laughs> who became my, my first like long-term, you know, we were together for five years. I, I moved out to Los Angeles to be with him. And, um, and it was beautiful in many ways. And I was still growing and evolving and, and, uh, you know, as was he. And, um, but, but so, you know, but I do want to say, I, I do want to ask you this question before, because yeah. it has to go yeah. with the coming out, like holding that secret. I like to always look at the secret and look at the, de- deadly seven sins of the secret you know it's a human it's part of our human characteristics these sins I don't look at them as horrible they're just part of human nature so we got pride greed lust gluttony envy anger and sloth when you were holding this secret is any of those ring true to them and why uh two of them uh pride because it was about how I looked it was about wanting to fit in it was all about you know wanting and and pride in reverse really because it was you know this sense of being you know uh uh valueless you know so 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 trying to discount to to counter that idea but it was all about and which is interesting because we use the term pride you know uh uh, and and a true ownership of one's you know pride right right. um and, and the other was envy um i felt a deep i mean deep 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 envy of straight people yeah. Um, because they got to be the thing that I so much wanted to be. Right. And they just had and it easier and it was just an easier path. Just, you know, th- their ability to express love uh, didn't have to be fought for. You know, know. It didn't have to be, you know, like uh, you didn't have to like, you know, I, I you know, sidebar, I, I uh, used to write on bathroom walls uh, in, in college because that was the way that we met people because there was no internet. There was no nothing like we'd agree to a meet at certain times. I mean, that was the nature of what it was 
Um, and sometimes I just have to stay as a straight person. I'm like, yeah. shame on us straight people like that. We shouldn't be allowed to share our love if not everybody's allowed to share their love. Like that actually makes me angry. I'm angry about that because it's not okay. Because love is yeah. love in whatever form it comes in. So yeah. I do want to hit like the moment yeah. your mother really you know accepted this because i know you're close to her now so right. what well, was that quick, moment quickly i should mention just just a couple of the the, the real quick things you know I, I remember so i i was out uh, uh personally but not professionally i remember being on the set of uh uh, uh, uh closet and kathy and jimmy sort of sizing me up for kirstie alley to find out if i was available or gay or straight or whatever <laughs> I remember being backstage in Carolina City and an actress on Valentine's Day saying, what are you doing tonight? Da, 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 you know, and, and and so there was that ongoing Well, you're very thing. handsome. I could see a woman being like, hey, so you want to like. But it was a like... weird, it was a weird fear that went along oh, yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm playing it off as if, oh, yeah, da, 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 but, but I'm terrified inside. Like, are they going to figure it out? Anyway, so long story short, I ended up coming out on the cover of uh, The Advocate uh, magazine um, in 2002. Mm. So that was another stage of coming out. That's when I came out professionally. and Which is uh, terrifying if, you know, oh in God. Hollywood. Terrifying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were many people, particularly at that time, there were not many, None. you know, people who were out and, and very few in my kind of category as far as, you know, you know, leading men-ish type guys or whatever, like almost none really. And, and so it was a, uh, and I had a lot of people say, don't do it. I had some who were encouraging and I guess, uh, you know, the, the other thing, just in terms of the, the coming out thing to kind of bring it full circle is that it continues to be an ongoing process because I feel like even after you've done all of that, I feel like part of the, the coming out is the mental, emotional coming out mm-hmm. is the deeper work that we do, um, that I do to uh, just not hide, you know, right. to keep, I had to deal with the discomfort of watching people uh, 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 hold hands years after I'd come out just because it would bring up a fear in me you know uh, I would I would drop my voice when I used the word gay at table and so so um so what this really is at the end of the day coming out now is about just stepping into and owning my inherent value truly oh. loving and owning what an incredible gift and this is the final part of it the incredible gift and blessing of what it is to be gay to actually see that the thing that I thought was so horrible is one of my greatest assets. And and that is like, for me, the full circle that I think many of us are still trying to get to and doing, doing the inner work that we need to do to get to that place. Um, And I, (laughs) I'm in the middle of it myself. Well, just so you know, on the straight, straight side, we still have to do that work too. Like we all have these holes in us where, you know, we don't think we're good enough or how we're made is not good enough. They're different. So I feel like for anyone to get to a place of really self-love and self-worth, you have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I agree. So I just want to hit these couple yeah yeah i never never want to stop doing yeah yes well you have no choice at this point once you open that door (laughs) to do that work it's not like you can go backwards because you know too much now yeah yeah i i I agree so who do you think this secret you know harmed or benefited holding it well i mean look i think i think in 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 
smaller ways, because thank goodness I, I was really the kind of person that was mindful about, you know, the way that other people could get hurt. And there were, you know, and, and there were a few women that I, I dated, um, you know, where I, I wasn't being honest. So it certainly affected them, but it was, they were very, very short lived and we never even, you know, became physical. Like I, like I let it go a couple of dates and that was it. So it was, it was minimal harm in that sense. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, there were a lot of friendships. There were friends who say it hurt me that you couldn't be honest. And I, here I was trying to kind of, you know, I was just scared and trying to take care of myself yeah. and, and assuming that they were going to reject me. But then I remember a friend being angry with me and I'm like, why are you angry? And, and she's like, you, you couldn't be honest with me. And I'm like, uh, I had no idea. You're like, I'm like, having trouble even doing it for, with myself, let alone right, you, right. you know, but there was that. And, and I think, look, the, the biggest thing at the end is of course the, the harm to self, you know, I, yeah. mean, I, I think, I, I, you know, that's at the end of the day, um, and, and it's understandable. And, it, and, and again, that's why I, I'm so encouraging of everyone to have their own journey and process. And people get angry about people not coming out, you know, and, I, and I'm always on the side of like, no, 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 no. you don't know what, what messaging they grew up with. You, you know, yeah. theirs may have been, you know, life or death messaging. And yeah. um, so uh, I try to, you know, continue to have compassion around that. But yeah, I think that's the you know, I'd have to think more about who else might have been harmed, but. Uh, well, how do you move forward in the future now? Now that you are working on your self-love and doing that inner work, you know, how are you moving forward in the future? Well, you know, it's interesting because one of the things, you know, I, I uh, in, in the community, it's a common thing to use like drugs and alcohol to, 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 to bring down the wall of being able to express, you know, uh, Oscar Wilde called it the, the love that dare not speak its name, right? So it's this, mm. this secret. So to bring that wall down, to let that love express itself in connection, in intimacy, you know, in, in relation with another uh, person of the same, so, you know, the, of attraction, um, it, it took that because there was this wall. And so a lot of the work now is I've been sober for 15 years off drugs and alcohol. And, uh, so a lot of the work is about um, trying to be able to really open and relate uh, intimately, you know, in the absence of substances and just to keep going deeper in that and, and to try to be gentle with myself as I realize that I do it, you know, born out of this sort of place of dysfunction that was, you know, a broad, you know, I mean, we're still in a world where, where in 10 countries, people can be put to death for being gay. So it's crazy. That to so, me is so, crazy. So today it's still it's all in the background. Even if we're in a, in a in a city where you know we feel like it's relatively you know it's all still in the but anyway. So that's the the work is just to keep uh, you know where, where how I move forward is just to keep you know learning how to love and express uh, physically, intimately, you know re relationally um, with as much honesty uh, and love and compassion, self compassion, you know, as I can. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. It was beautiful and I'm so grateful. Thanks. I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I don't think I've, uh, I don't know that I've ever gotten to sort of really reflect back and talk, uh, uh, think, think so much about the journey of my particular journey of coming out of mentioned bits and pieces, but it was really a beautiful opportunity to think back on that. So. Thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for listening to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. If you have a past secret that you've gone through and on the other side or in a present one where it's still buried inside of you and you want to be a guest, please message me below or email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time.
Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye. President Biden refused to negotiate on the debt ceiling. I will not yield. But Speaker McCarthy and the House forced Biden to cave, delivering another win for conservatives. Work requirements for welfare, unspent COVID money for China clawed back. And for once, Washington will spend less than the year before. The House took on Biden and won. Call Congress at 800-894-2036. Tell them to support the conservative reforms. Paid for by American Action Network.